in 48 hours, the African Cup of Nations is going to be over with. So um, let's take the time to really enjoy these final two matches. Um, the first being the third place uh, playoff between Nigeria and DR Congo. And then, of course, we have the final on Sunday evening between Nigeria and Cote d'Ivoire. Um, this video today is just going to cover the first match, Saturday night's fixture between South Africa and DR Congo. Um, and I'm going to try to release a really detailed, longer video um, tomorrow about the final between uh, Nigeria and Cote d'Ivoire. So as always, I'm your host of the African Vivaside podcast. My name is Mayer Mizahi. I'm an Algerian journalist. And um, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by africasacountry.com. I just published a piece yesterday on the website about um, solidarity with the Palestinian cause at the African Cup of Nations and how that was sort of inhibited by uh, what seems to be the Ivorian authorities, although we never really got an answer. So uh, you guys can check that out. I'll put a link in the description. Other than that, let's get right into the football. So um, third place finals are always special to me a little bit because my grandfather, Mohamed Mizahi, I'm Mahir Mizahi, Mohamed he uh, he refed the third place final or the consolation final, the third place match in the 1965 African Cup of Nations. So uh, what is that? 70 years ago now, a little less than 70 years ago uh, between Senegal and Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and so it just always, for some reason, has a special place in my heart. I even have a photo of him with the two captains on the day. And I always make it a point to watch the match. Um, because it links my family to this tournament. So um, I'm really excited for this one. But really the key for third place uh, matches or consolation finals is, in my opinion, the motivation of the two teams. Um, some teams approach it where they absolutely want to win the bronze medal, to take it home, to, you know, put that notch in history to say, you know, we made it to, we, we have a, a third place finish. Um, maybe it means a lot to their country. Uh, whereas other teams, you know, sometimes a coach will want to rotate his squad to thank the players that haven't played at the tournament so far, um, and make sure everybody's involved to reward them with some gameplay. Maybe their team has, you know, big name players whose clubs are putting pressure on the national teams to say, hey, don't play my guy uh, in this third place meaningless match, you know, so. It's not so much about how would these teams compete at full capacity rather than what is the approach of the two separate teams uh, going into this match. And that's what I try to look at. So um, even, sorry, before we talk about the, the two teams, if you look at the 2021 third place final, it was Cameroon and Burkina Faso. And Cameroon rotated everybody because they wanted to thank, you know, some of their players that didn't play. And they go down 3-0 to Burkina Faso in the, at halftime. <laughs> And then they bring on Vincent Abubakar, they bring on Carl Tolko Akambi, and they're real starters. And they come back and they draw 3-3, they get some penalties, and they win the third place match. Even in 2017, when we had Ghana play against Burkina Faso, Ghana like threw on Bernard Tekpeti, they sat you know, Andre Ayew, Asamoah Gyan, uh, all their big players on the bench. And Burkina Faso played their starters, and Burkina Faso won. So that just illustrates my point about who's going to really try to win this match. Um, all of that being said, so let's look at the team news. South Africa are going to be without Grant Kakana, who's suspended for the red card he picked up against Terra Mofi in the last match. Tapella Moreno's been ruled out with injury, so has Maseko. Uh, Percy Tau and Ronald Williams didn't train yesterday. 
and Thibault Mokwena arrived late. So we're looking at five to six uh, starters, except for Maseko, um, who probably won't play in this match against DR Congo. Whereas DR Congo, um, the coach, I think, will be playing more of his starting lineup. And at the same time, I think he's going to be uh, giving chances to players like Silas Katomba, Katompa, sorry, who's been really impressive throughout the tournament, but hasn't really gotten a chance to start. Uh, Simon Banza, for example, could be another option as a striker instead of sticking with Cedric Bakambu. They have a young goalkeeper who's 25 years old, Dimitri Berto. Many people want to see him in goal. And even Joris Kayembe, who's a really talented left back, left wing back. Uh, he hasn't really gotten a chance because Arthur Maswek has been so good for Dear Congo. So those are some of the names I see Congolese journalists and fans wanting to see, you know. But So I do expect both sides to rotate. South Africa have to rotate. I think DR Congo are going to play something closer to their starting lineup. Um, but they might also give a few different players uh, some chances. There was a press conference. Let's Let me give you some quotes from the press conferences and you tell me who seems more motivated. So South Africa coach Hugo Bruce. The result will depend a little bit on which team has recovered mentally and from what happened in the semifinals. Hugo Bruce again. The most important thing in a tournament like this is being number one. If you are number three or number four, for me it's exactly the same. I hope that the players who start the game for South Africa will be mentally ready to go at 100% like they did in the six previous games. So when he says it doesn't really matter, for me that's like, how seriously are South Africa taking this? Listen to the Congolese coach Sebastian de Sabre. We're extremely motivated to play for third place. It's an international match in which we'll be defending our country's colors. And then he says, we'll give everything to bring this medal home and present it to the Congolese people who are passionate about football. The Congolese have been great for us. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for everything. Again, you take South Africa's injury problems coming into this match and suspensions, uh, whereas DR Congo didn't really have those um, injury problems or suspensions. Uh, you take Hugo Bruce's statements compared to Sebastian de Sabra, and then factor in the fact that South Africa have played in all five of Cote d'Ivoire's host cities. So they've traveled so many um, you know, cities uh, in Cote d'Ivoire, whereas um, DR Congo have mostly been in, I believe, San Pedro and just Abidjan. So they've traveled a lot less. They've rotated a little bit more than, than South Africa, who's been pretty strict and stubborn with their starting 11. From an outsider's perspective, all of this are good omens for DR Congo, in my opinion. DR Congo seem like they're the more motivated team. They have a political crisis at home, so they would love you know, to, to get that win and that victory. I think it would mean more to them than it would to the South African players. All of that said, what are some positive news for South Africa? You know, under Hugo Bruce, I think South Africa are the much better tactical team. The way they switched their formation against Nigeria and they showed that they prepared for the Super Eagles, you know, the way they countered them after, after they won the ball back, especially in the first half, it was absolutely top-notch. It was such a great job by South Africa. Um, unfortunately, I do think South Africa make too many individual mistakes when they're defending. Um, Grant, you know, Mvala's, um, Mvala's foul on Osimhen was just one of them, but... If you look at the amount of big chances South Africa concedes, and then also the fact that they don't score too many goals at the same time, um, that's not really a recipe for success. They, they do everything in between the final thirds very, very well. You know, 
but defending in their own box, they've been okay, and Ronald Williams has saved them a lot. And then attacking in the final third, I think they've been lacking a little bit. But then, like, actually playing football, combination passing, all of that has been has been really good. Um, what else? Um, so, yeah, let's talk about South Africa's possession play versus Nigeria. The way... The way they were, first of all, like I said, counter-attacking very, very well. But then even overloading the pitch. If you look at a heat map, for example, especially in the first half, South Africa were basically overloading the right side of the pitch, forcing Nigeria to break their shape, um, playing beautiful long passes that were, you know, pinpoint long passes to Percy Tao. Just, I love that first half that they played. And I, I texted my friends at halftime, like, is there any more space on the South Africa bandwagon? <laughs> Dear Congo... So if we, if we talk about South Africa and all the nuance and movement and the overloading and the tactical, you know, uh, strategy, DR Congo, in my opinion, are much more static. They'll play a 4-2-3-1 and it stays a 4-2-3-1, whether they're in possession, out of possession, whether they're in their third of the pitch, whether they're in the final third of the pitch. But I do think DR Congo are one of the most disciplined sides with their shape. So despite, despite the fact that they're just going to stay in their shape the entire time, up and down, up and down, as they matriculate up and down the pitch, they're very disciplined. So, for example, their wingers, Yoan Wisa, or whether it's Meshak or Bongonda on the right side, they won't get caught out of position. If the opposing wingbacks or fullbacks are pushing up, you're going to see them sprint all the way back. And they also attack together as a unit. So I think the fact that you know they've stayed compact and they play... They have very good tactical discipline. They're not very complicated tactically, but very good discipline. I think that's one of the things that I like about DR Congo. I think um, for DR Congo, if Gael Kakuda plays, that could be key. Because there's nobody else on this Congolese team, in my opinion, that has the passing range and ability that Gael Kakuda has. Um, they have a lot of good dribblers like Bongonda or Wisa or, or Meshak. Um, but nobody can drop back into spaces and play balls over the top or play through passes between the lines uh, quite like Gael Kakuda does. So if he does that, um, and if he starts, I think that could really trouble South Africa. So who would this match mean more to? Um, in my opinion, I think it would mean more to DR Congo. And they should be the fresher side, and they should rotate less. And so my pick is going to be for DR Congo. And make of that what you will. I've picked against Bafana every single time in this tournament. I feel guilty about it because I love Bafana. Um, but I do think Dear Congo just have a little more motivation, a little more freshness. And in my opinion, you know, if they start somebody like a Fiston Mayale or even a Simon Banza, I think they're going to have more goals than Cedric Bakambu. They stick with Cedric Bakambu, who's done okay. But he scored three goals in the last, is it four or six years? I can't remember. I think three goals in the last four years. Yeah, four years, I think, with the Congolese national team. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, three goals in 24 appearances or something like that. So they need to find another goal-scoring threat. And I think the fact that they're going to rotate a little bit at striker, that should be a good omen for them. And if we project ourselves past the AFCON, so, okay, let's say DR Congo win tomorrow. What next for DR, oh, sorry, what next for DR Congo and what next for South Africa? I think South Africa are in a place where they're in the prime of a generation of players. If you look at um, Ronwen Williams, if you look at Mvala, Kekana, if you look at Mudao, if you look at Modiba, uh, Mukwena, 
Percy Tao, uh, definitely Zwani. They're all, I think none of those players that I mentioned are 27 years old or younger. They're all like, maybe the youngest is 27. And I think Zwani is 34 years old, even though he's probably the fittest out of all of them. Um, same thing with Morena. So my question is, how much longer can you go with this generation of players? Because you've stumbled upon a great generation that know each other very well, that have obviously great chemistry at sundowns. I think you can at least get another AFCON out of them, right? Because the next AFCON is in, what, 16 months? So there's that. And then the other thing is, what about the World Cup? World Cup is in, what, two years? I think you can, you can conserve at least you know 80% of that um, lineup for the next two years. And so South Africa have a very, very interesting two years and change coming up, in my opinion. It's, are they going to stick with Hugo Bruce, first of all? Because he's being linked to national teams all over the continent, uh, especially Algeria. Um, I don't think he's going to leave uh, to go to Algeria. But first of all, are they going to stick with Hugo Bruce? Um, second of all, this aging generation of players, can they get to the Americas at least? You know, And they have in their group... Uh, Nigeria, they have Zimbabwe and Benin and those are three very tough matches that they play they play those three opposition from now until June so they cannot get in a place where they're satisfied with what they managed to accomplish in Cote d'Ivoire they're going to have to look forward to those matches between Benin, Nigeria and Zimbabwe I think they're playing in Nigeria um, and, and that match you know, in the semifinals is going to give them so much confidence that they can pull off a good result but that's going to be an absolutely massive nine points. If they can get six out of nine points there, they'll be in a good position going forward. If they can get seven or nine, we all have to start paying attention then. Um, what about DR Congo? DR Congo, they're in Senegal's group in World Cup qualifying, and they've already lost a match to Sudan. So they have three points out of two matches played. Hmm. That's tough. You know, Senegal are, are, in my opinion, still the best team on the continent. I don't think... Nigeria or Cote d'Ivoire are better than them, despite the fact that Cote d'Ivoire beat them, you know, in the in the round of si- in the quarterfinals, or round of sixteen, in the in the round of sixteen. Um, so, dear Congo, I mean, I think they can put up a fight. Maybe they can qualify to the playoff, you know, and try to make it as the point five team from the African continent that's going to play an intercontinental playoff after. I think that's probably their best uh, opportunity, but to do that. Same question. Are they going to hold on to Sebastian de Saber, who came in 2022, I think, and has been a great, great manager for them? And why has he been a great manager? It's because he's brought discipline. I talked about tactical discipline, but even behavioral discipline. He's managed to keep a bunch of egos in check. Um, you know, DR Congo is always sort of known as a team that has great individual players but can't come together as a team. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I think what they've proven at this uh, AFCON under this coach is that they can come together as a team. And they can even look past, um, you know, their own needs and talk about, you know, what's going on in the country. And that, that's a lot of responsibility, what they did during the national anthem. So if they can hold to Sebastian de Sabra, I think that's the first good sign. But then... If we're looking at you know a five-year vision for DR Congo, this is one of the biggest countries in Africa. This is one of the richest countries in Africa in terms of primary resources. This should be a superpower on the continent. They even have a huge footballing history. They've won two AFCONs. They've been to a World Cup, the first uh, 
black African nation, as they like to say, uh, that qualified to the World Cup. I don't like that term because there are black players and that played for Morocco. There are black players everywhere. I think even for Egypt in 34, if I'm not mistaken. So what kind of structural... Um, what kind of structural improvements can DR Congo make? First of all, they don't have a national technical center. They don't have a headquarters for their... They have a headquarters for the federation that's a building, but not with pitches and, you know, cryo chamber therapy, cryotherapy chambers and, and hot tubs and jacuzzis and, and medical centers. And that's, that shouldn't be too complicated. FIFA gives money to federations for this. It's just about good governance. And, and they, they, three years ago, I was looking before I shot this podcast... Three years ago, the, the president of FECO Foot, uh, Constant Omari, was talking about, you know, we're going to have a national technical center that's better than Clairefontaine in France. Clairefontaine is the French Federation's um, sort of meeting ground. And it's like three years later, I just read that the latest headline was from November that some of the construction workers basically ransacked the entire place. And that it's been slowly progressing at a nail's, uh, snail's pace. So they need to get the infrastructure down. And then players can't feel like they're going to war every single time. Um, they, can f- they should feel like they're going to war on the pitch, but not going to war with organizational issues in the federation. In 2022, Cedric Lakambu, he sent a voice note to somebody and it got leaked. He said, we're the only team out of the top 10 in Africa that doesn't have a training center. We don't have standards. We don't have norms. We don't have seats or toilets in the stadium. And you want us to go to the World Cup with that. Our federation has no political weight. So us losing to Morocco, I mean, he's he's paraphrasing here, but I'm paraphrasing, actually. This is after they lose to Morocco. This was predictable, he says. And I don't want to keep playing in, this posi- in these conditions. I'm in Marseille. He was in Marseille at the time. He says, I'll just live my life. I waste too much time with this team. Damning, or, damning words. And I thought he, he met, probably wouldn't be called back after this, but he was called back. And he's been one of the leaders and the captains of this team under December. So that's what I mean by managing egos. So yeah, DR Congo have a lot to do, but they have so much potential. They have more potential than South Africa. They have more potential than many of the North African teams, like Tunisia, like Algeria. But they have so much to do. They're so behind. And the political situation in the country and the economic situation in the country is not helping things. But South Africa, the next two years... Squeeze those lemons as much as you can. We want to see Bafana and the Americas. These next two years are going to be absolutely massive. But until then, let's enjoy the third place match. Um, you know, don't underrate it. We always think like, ah, oh, who cares? It's a third place match. But sit there, you know, watch it. It's, it's football. It's African football. This is the African Cup of Nations. 48 hours, it's all going to be over. And we're going to have to wait another year and change to, to see another one of these tournaments. So who knows if we'll be alive? Who knows what? any of our situations will be. So let's enjoy it and uh, keep an eye out for uh, the final preview uh, tomorrow as well as a recap for the third place match. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, always love all of your feedback and your comments. I try to read all of them and respond to all of them. So thanks for sending those through. Um, we'll leave it there. Keep it locked in uh, to the African Five Side podcast and we'll speak soon. Peace.